We are in week seven uh, of our series, More Than a Feeling. Uh, We have been kind of going over what we believe, why we believe it, uh, and why it's important. Uh, It's especially important in our culture. Uh, uh, Truth in our culture um, is increasingly uh, being regarded as something felt rather than something known. Uh, In fact, there was a survey done by Barna. It was kind of at the end of 2018. Uh, And they said that uh, 44% of people said truth was something that you feel. Truth is a relative thing. It's a matter of opinion. It's not not based on anything. Only 35% believe that truth is truth is truth is truth. That there is a truth. I, I just... This, this kind of mindset has worked its way into the church as well, to where the things that we believe and the things that we proclaim, the things that we, that we kind of confess, those things are kind of coming into this category of, well, now I don't feel like that's right. I don't feel like that's true. And so we kind of stray away from, from biblical truth. So this, this series that we've been doing is really talking through what we believe, why we believe it, and why it's important. What is truth? What does this book say is truth? Why do we believe what is in this book? What does this book say about God or Jesus or the Holy Spirit? We spent three weeks talking about what Scripture says about the Trinity, that God is a holy, just, creator God, a God who is all-knowing, who who knows everything about you, everything that you have done, everything that you will do, and there is nothing in your life that you could do to make God love you more or less today than yesterday and the day before or tomorrow and the day after and the day after. God will always love you the same because God is love. We talked about Jesus being God and human and uh, and humbling himself to the cross so that every one day every knee would bow and every tongue would confess. We talked about how the Holy Spirit empowers believers. We don't have a spirit of, of fear or a spirit of timidity. We have a spirit of power within us that goes and empowers us to do the things that God is calling us to do. We talked through the Bible. What does the Bible say about the Bible? Because this is actually one of the things that people, you know, how, how can I believe the Bible? It was written so long ago. It was written by so many people. Uh, there's there's got to be something in between that just, that just makes this Bible irrelevant. But no, the Bible is super relevant for us. The Bible is, is, is essential for us as believers. This is how God reveals himself to us. We talked through the church. What do we believe about the church? What do we believe about us? Not just humanity in general, but those of us who have said yes to Jesus. What do we believe about us? We're going we're gonna to spend the next two weeks kind of closing this series out. Um, and we're going it's, to, it's an end of a series, but we're going to kind of keep going in a different manner. We're going to kind of go from, from what do we believe to what do we do? What are some of these practices of Christians? What are, what are we supposed to be doing? What are some of the practices that we uphold and why? Is it just because we feel like it? No, it's because we're, we're called to do it because we, we do it out of obedience. We do it out of love for God. These are the reasons. And so we're going to spend two more weeks kind of talking through what we believe and why we believe it. And then we're going to kind of jump, uh, jump into if this is true, if we believe what we believe, and if this is if, this is, if we're going to center our lives around these beliefs, then what practices do we have? And so that's going to start in a few weeks. But I want to just close off this series over the next two weeks really talking about kind of the, the how and the why of our faith. This morning we're going to talk about just, 
just even answer this question, what is faith? That's something I, I realized we hadn't talked about yet. And next week we'll talk about eternity. We'll talk about why it's important. But this week I want to just, just unpack what even is faith. What is faith? Why is it important? Now, we've alluded to faith over the whole series and probably in every single one of my messages so far since I've been here. But we, I want to talk about faith itself. What is faith? All right, what is it that, that connects us to God? We talked a few weeks ago about how God is holy over here and we are not. But Jesus bridges the gap in the middle. So how, how, do, we, how do we get here? How do we cross this bridge? It is through faith in Jesus Christ. Right, the underlying theme of everything is, is faith, but I think there's a confusion about faith, especially in our culture. We have a, our culture is kind of like a, we swing the pendulum a lot, and this is life in general, but our culture and, and most cultures, we swing pendulums a lot. The same is, is true with our faith. Right, on, on one end of the pendulum, we have, we, we have this tendency to dilute our faith, to kind of water it down a little bit. Did you know four in five Americans confess to being a Christian? Now, if 80% of our country is a Christian, you would think that our country would look a whole lot different. But four out of five Christians confess to being, or four out of five Americans confess to being a Christian. I think we, we have this, I think we, we kind of vary a little bit on what this looks like, though. Right, we, we, we swing the pendulum, we delude faith so much so that we don't actually have it. The, the prevailing theme of these people over here is this thought of, I believe in God, so I'm a Christian. Well, that's, that's really good that you believe in God. I, I love that you believe in God. I appreciate the fact that you believe in God. But belief in God is not enough. Right, you jump over to the book of James with me, James chapter 2. James is, is pretty clear about what he thinks about people who believe in God and say that's good enough. And he says this in James chapter 2, uh, <clears throat> starting at verse 19. He says, You believe that there is one God. Good. Even the demons believe that, and they shudder. So we have this group of people over here who say, hey, I'm a Christian because I believe in God. James says, I'm glad you believe in God. Even the demons believe in God. I think when we delude our faith, we have a tendency, and this is, just hear me out on this, we have a tendency to have kind of a, a demon-like faith, where we believe in God, but it doesn't change anything. So there's, this is one side of the pendulum. We then swing the pendulum all the way to the other side, where we're not diluting faith anymore, we're complicating faith so much so that no one can ever even know if they have it. How do I know if I'm committed enough? How do I know if I'm surrendered enough? There's all these rules and all these things that I'm supposed to do. This is like the legalistic side over here. There's, there's, it's just so, so amazing to me right, that we do this. I mean, we have these people over here who say, I believe in God, and that's it. Right, Matthew chapter 7 is pretty clear that that's not good enough as well. Matthew chapter 7 <clears throat> Let me find this real quick. Matthew chapter 7 says this. Not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven, but only the one who does the will of my Father who is in heaven. Many will say to me on that day, Lord, Lord, did we not prophesy in your name 
and in your name drive out demons, and in your name perform many miracles. Then I will tell them plainly, I never knew you. Away from me, you evildoers. And many people will profess, God, I, I know you. God, I believe in you. And God's going to look at them and say, I never knew you. Right? We, have, we have this tendency to, to dilute it, but we also have this tendency to, to overcomplicate it. Jesus speaks to that as well. Jesus is speaking to some Pharisees in Matthew chapter 23. And he says, look, you guys are so overcomplicating things. You're putting all these burdens on other people, expecting them to live out their faith in this way, and you can't even do it. How do you expect everybody else to do this? Matthew chapter 23, Jesus says, look, you guys are doing this wrong. He's kind of chiding these, these, these Pharisees here and saying, look, you're putting way too much, you're, you're complicating this way too much. Putting way too many rules, way too many regulations, way too many everything on this. And the end result of this pendulum swing is a super frustrating Christian life. Because you never know, am I good enough? You never know, am I doing it right? The, the end result over there is kind of like a, a guilt-free Christian life. Right? Because I believe in God, but if it doesn't change anything, it doesn't really matter. The end result over here is a super frustrating Christian life. Because you just never quite know if you're good enough. So what is... What does Scripture teach us about faith? I think Scripture is pretty clear about faith and the importance of faith. Here's what Scripture says about faith. I'll sum it up for you in one sentence, and then we'll unpack that sentence. Ready for this? You and I can be restored to God only through faith in Jesus Christ. This is what Scripture says about faith. You and I can be restored to God only through faith in Jesus Christ. Let's unpack that. You and I can be restored to God. This is, this is the good news of the gospel. This is the gospel, that you and I can be restored to God, that even though God is holy, we are not. Jesus bridges this gap. Jesus comes down, sacrifices himself on the cross, humbles himself to be sacrificed on the cross, lives a life that we couldn't live, dies the death that you and I deserve to die because of our sins, so that you and I might live eternally with Jesus forever in heaven. This is the gospel. This is the good news. You and I can be restored to God. This is the goal of the gospel. The goal of the gospel is that you and I would be restored to God. See, the goal of the gospel, the goal of the gospel is not happiness. The goal of the gospel is not joy. The goal of the gospel isn't even heaven. The goal of the gospel is God. Here's, here's what I would ask you this morning. I, I read this in a Francis Chan book called Crazy Love. He asked this question. If you could have heaven and everything that your imagination goes to when you think of heaven, but God wasn't there, would you still want to go? See, the goal of the gospel is not some mansion somewhere with golden streets and pearly gates and all the other stereotypical visions that you have of heaven. It's not that. The goal of the gospel is God. The goal of the gospel is restoration with God. This is, this is the goal. This is the gospel, that you and I can be in relationship with God. All right, so, so then... Okay, you and I can be restored to God, which is amazing. 
only through faith in Jesus Christ. What does this faith in Jesus Christ look like? How do we, uh, to, to borrow a phrase from this side of the pendulum, how do we know that we have this faith? How, how can we make sure? How do we know that we have faith in Jesus Christ? Here's, here's some, some thoughts for you. I think Jesus, Jesus came to earth preaching a message about faith, preaching a message about God, and here's, here's kind of the prevailing message that he speaks. It's in Mark chapter 1, verse 15. Well, it's all over the Gospels, but this one is in Mark chapter 1, verse 15. And here's what he says. The time has come, he said. The kingdom of God has come near. Repent and believe the good news. Jesus came to earth and he sent his disciples out, even after he was preaching this, a message of repentance. The first thing in faith is repentance. We need to repent of our own sins. And this is not even just like a New Testament Jesus message. This is in the Old Testament as well. If you go to the book of Ezekiel, if you want to go there, Ezekiel chapter 18. Ezekiel chapter 18, verse 30. Jesus is ta- or God is talking to his people, and he says this to the Israelites, Repent, turn away from all your offenses, then sin will not be your downfall. Rid yourselves of all the offenses you have committed, and get a new heart and a new spirit. Now, I could take this out of Ezekiel, put it in the New Testament, and no one would know. This is the gospel message. This is in the Old Testament. This is, this is what God has in mind for his people from the beginning. Repent. I'll read this again. Turn away from your offenses, then sin will not be your downfall. Rid yourselves of all the offenses you have committed and get a new heart and a new spirit. This is God's plan for his people. The beginning of faith, the, the very beginning stages of faith is repentance. And now what is, what is repentance? Repentance is, is just confession of our own sinfulness. It's acknowledging our rebellion against God. I understand that we need him. And this is key. This is, this is, this is a key thing. Repentance is not us trying to fix ourselves so that we can be good in the eyes of God. I love, I cannot explain repentance better than C.S. Lewis. There's probably a lot of things that I can't explain better than C.S. Lewis, but here's what he says. Repentance, we don't come to God as bad people trying to be good people. We come to God as rebels to lay down our arms. We don't come to God as good people trying to be bad people, or sorry, other way. We don't come to God as bad people trying to be good people. We come to God as rebels coming to lay down our arms. We say, God, I'm sinful. I understand what you have for me, and I'm not living that. I'm going to stop trying to do my own thing. I lay down my arms. I'm all yours. I surrender. And in this, in this process, we, we die to our own selfishness, right? Where the essence of sin is ourself. We kind of have a tendency to, to make ourselves the center of everything. But in repentance, we, we put things back in the right order and put God in the center of everything. Repentance is about taking ourselves out of the picture and putting God right in the middle. Saying, God, I'm, I'm yours. So here's, that's the first thing in, in faith. We have to, if we have faith in Jesus, we, we need to repent. 
His second thing we do is we trust in Jesus as our Savior and as our Lord. We trust in Jesus as our Savior and as our Lord. Romans chapter 10. Sorry, I haven't been saying the page numbers. Romans number 10. If you're in our pew Bibles and you want to follow along, 974 is where I'm going. Romans chapter 10, um, starting at verse 9. If you declare with your mouth, Jesus is Lord, and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. For it is with your heart that you believe and are justified, and it is with your mouth that you profess your faith and are saved. As Scripture says, anyone who believes in him will never be put to shame, for there is no difference between Jew and Gentile. The same Lord is Lord of all and richly blesses all who call on him. For everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. We need to trust in Jesus as our Savior and as our Lord. And I think both of those things are important. They are not the same. Trusting in Jesus as Savior is different than trusting Jesus as Lord. I'll just break those down for a second. Trusting, trusting Jesus as Savior is important. We, we, we understand Jesus came. Again, he lived the life we couldn't live. He died the death that you and I deserve to die so that we might live eternally with him in heaven forever. This is Jesus. Jesus came to save us from our sins. This is what we mean by Savior. Right, but, but if we just stop here, if we stop at this belief and say, Jesus, you are my Savior. If all we need is a Savior, then we're good. We have Jesus who has, who has saved us. If all we need is a Savior, we have Jesus. But part of repentance, remember, is turning away from ourselves, not living on our own again. And so if we, if we are not the center of our lives, we need Jesus also as Lord of our lives to be the center of our lives and to lead us and to guide us and to move us and direct us. This is what it means to have Jesus as Lord of our lives. To allow him to, to lead and direct and to guide us and not try to do it on our own. We need both. As you know, in the book of Acts, Jesus is called Savior twice. He's called Lord 92 times. We need Jesus as Lord of our lives. We need to trust him as Savior. We also need to trust him as Lord. And submitting to Jesus as Lord is just turning from ourselves, trusting in him and and allowing the one who rules and reigns over the whole universe to guide and direct our lives. Faith is about repentance. It's about trusting Jesus as Lord and Savior over our lives. And even, even Galatians chapter 2, verse 20. If you want to follow along, it's on page 1002 in your, in your pew Bibles. Galatians chapter 2, verse 20 says this. I have been crucified with Christ. And I no longer live, but Christ lives in me. Jesus is the Lord over my life. This is what Paul is saying here. For I, I have been crucified with Christ, and I no longer live, but Christ lives in me. The life I now live in the body, I live by faith in the Son of God, who loved me and gave himself for me. Here's what Paul is saying in this part. Jesus is my Lord, and Jesus is my Savior. Jesus is living through me, and the life I live now, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and who gave himself for me. He is my Savior. I do not set aside the grace of God, for if righteousness could be gained through the law, Christ died for nothing. Jesus is my Savior. He died 
for me. I give him my life. He is Lord of my life. Faith is about repentance. It's about trusting Jesus as Lord and Savior. And here's the, the cool thing about faith. is just a, an initial moment of faith leads to gradual growth over time. An initial moment of faith leads to gradual growth every time. I think one of the biggest frustrations for people who give their heart to Jesus is that life doesn't just, it's not like a flip is switched and life is completely different on day one. And there's, there's a lot of it that is different on day one, but there's a lot that needs to change over time. There are habits that we've had for years and years and years that they take time to break. Right? This initial moment of faith leads to growth over time, a moment of time when we repent and we say, God, you are my God. You are my Savior. You are my Lord. I, I want to trust you. I give you my life. This moment of time where you give your heart to Jesus leads to growth and faith. None of us have arrived. None of us have been <laughs> none of us have been Christians so long that we just know everything or have it all right. It's, it doesn't happen. Each and every one of us are growing every single day, every single moment, and it's an everyday thing. Every day we have to wake up and say, "God, I want to live for you today. What can you teach me today? How can I grow?" today? What do you have for me today? And every day we recommit. Every day we say, God, you are my Savior. You are my Lord. Let's go. Next day, God, you are my Savior. You are my Lord. Let's go. Next day, God, you are my Savior. You are my Lord. Let's go. This is what it means to have faith. And as you live this faith out, you will continue to grow in faith over time. Here's what I mean by this. Some of you are looking at me with kind of blank stares. When was the last time you read a scripture that you've read maybe like 10 or 15 times? And after you read it that 15th time, you were like, oh, wow. I do see that now. Ah, that means something to me today. Or how many times have you prayed and you're praying for something and you're praying for something and you're praying for something and all of a sudden you look back like two, three weeks later and you think, man, I'm praying this a little differently today. I'm praying this a lot less selfishly today than I did three weeks ago. Why do you think that is? Because as you've continued to pray, as you've continued to be faithful, you continue to live out your faith, God continues to teach you and continues to, to push you and grow you. This is what it is. This is what faith is. Faith is so important. Faith is more than a feeling. If it was a feeling, I won't continue that sentence. Faith is more than a feeling. It has to be more than a feeling. But we also have to be comfortable knowing that we don't know everything. Because if we did, it wouldn't be faith. 
this book that I hold in my hands, and hopefully you do too, has everything that we need to know about God. Right here in these pages. This is what our faith is built on. There's a lot of questions that we don't have answers to. And that's going to be okay. Someday we'll ask. <laughs> I, I, keep, I tell this, I, I think the first place I want to go, yeah, after just being super awe of God in heaven, right? The first place I want to go is the replay room. I just want to see, like, everything that happened, you know, because there's, I just want to see some of this faith in action. Like, I want to see the kind of faith that Joshua had when he prays in Joshua 10 for the sun to stand still while he's in this war against people and the sun stands still. That kind of faith, that, that's, that's bold faith right there. All right, some of these other prayers that people pray in Scripture, I just want to be like, man, how, I want to just step inside your mind and just interview you, just ask you questions. How, how do you have this kind of faith? Well, I, here's what they would say to me. I know this is what they say. I know God is who he says he is. I know he'll do the things he says he'll do. And because of that, let's go. That's faith. That's what scripture says about faith. So when you have someone ask you, why do you believe what you believe? Why do you have faith? I really hope your answer doesn't start with, well, I feel like, no. It's got to be so much more than that. It's got to be more than a feeling. Let's have faith.